shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. You know what that means? Do you? We're the underdog. We're mutts. My number one play is the power sweep. If you only knew the power of the dark side... Welcome in to Hour 3, the Power Hour, on Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Join the conversation now on the Long & Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900, or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. Do you fear the force of the wind, the slash of the rain, Go face them and fight them. Be savage again. The palms of your hands will thicken. The skin of your cheek will tan. You'll grow ragged and weary and wet. But you must do the best you can. Hello there. I'm That's John right. Facinda. I found a you are about to best of John Facinda. I felt what better way to introduce David Smith today as we uh, go back and review championship weekend. Good morning, our Radford University Hall of Famer and NFL correspondent. How are you? Hey, I am great. And listen, nobody does football better than John Facinda. No. And watch no. this, Rick. I'll give you my boring uh, educational background. He does it in limerick fashion, correct, right? Correct. So, so for those that don't understand all that, go read, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And John Facenda was what, as part of my my brother and my friend Charles Williams, got me into this sport um, and to sports in general as a kid. I'm more nerd than you all would believe, and so that is why I'm sitting here at eight oh five with Rick with a desk, <laughs> with a bar full of notes as I want to unpack this football weekend and uh, always hate and love this time of year because I know it's close to the end. And so, but uh, don't you worry, listeners. We we, we do football all year, so um, there's going to be plenty to talk about, and we'll start with this past weekend. Yeah, let's get into it. Um, and you know, I you know, yesterday, and everybody knows about Broncos guys, so I can't stand the cheese. And I gave them their props; they were better. Uh, their defense was really good, but I was really struck. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Kansas City because we have a couple mm-hmm. Chiefs fans. But I was really struck by how, first of all, unprepared the Ravens looked yesterday, on Sunday. And I didn't expect that at all from a team that was heavily favored to not only go to the Super Bowl, but win it when the playoffs started. And Lamar Jackson failed on the stage that he needed to shine to kind of put himself up there 
And I don't know if he recovers from this. I don't know if this organization recovers from that. That is an opportunity lost. It reminds me of the Broncos when they lost to Jacksonville in 96. Now, they were able to recover and win the Super Bowl the next two years. But we'll see about the Ravens. But what was your takeaway? And, again, I don't want to take anything away from Mahomes. I know Kelsey had a great game. But I just sat there watching. David, I didn't recognize that Baltimore team. They had not. They were the only team in the NFL, and even with – the debacle of Sunday. They were the only NFL team this year that had no bad games, meaning from the standpoint of they didn't win every game, but no one blew them out. Everyone had a Dallas had a blowout loss. Philly, blowout loss. Miami had a blowout loss. All the top teams had those. San Francisco got destroyed by them, even Detroit. They were the only team all year long that even if they didn't win, and even if they weren't on their A game, they were in it with a chance to win it. And even as horrible and unpoised and undisciplined as they got to playing on Sunday, <laughs> the weirdest thing is, if Zay Flowers holds the football, I know. and if Lamar doesn't throw, they pass into the end zone with three defenders on him, and they kick that field goal. Those are the 10 points that would have won that game 20 to 17. And they didn't even deserve it. But with no. all that being said, Rick, I can't even understand who they were. What I mean is, is they personality wise, offensively, right. what had they done all year run, long? Run, run, run. Yeah. Rick, Rick, they destroyed people running the football. And, and, and as much as it was Lamar seeming like he was hesitant to run, he's never hesitant to run. Go be the best version of yourself. Who would have ever thought we would have sit and we're gonna get into the next game on a Sunday and watch quarterbacks play? And you would have and Brock Purdy had more poise and ability to run when things broke down than Lamar Jackson. Right. And so I don't know if he was told not to. I don't know if he was just trying to. It just seemed to be so out of character for them. And then at the same time, we gotta also understand that the Ravens defense, they bend, but they did not break. So if you say to them before the Sunday's game, Listen, we're going to hold Mahomes to 17 points. Yeah. Right? We're going to hold the Chiefs to 230 yards passing, and we're going to be at home. Would you sign up for that? You would sign up for that all day long because why wouldn't Lamar get 25 points? Because he had done it all year long. Why would we not run the football more than 16 times? Uh, 16 uh. rushes through the ball 32 times. <laughs> And the interesting part about that game is I think the, I think the Ravens started feeling the pressure a little bit. Here's what I mean, Rick. Chiefs got the ball. They won the toss and they deferred. They kicked the ball to the Ravens. Ravens went three and out three right and away. Out. So by doing that, right, right, Rick. And so by doing that, you immediately plant your flag and say, well, that worked for us because we're going to get it to start the second half. And they didn't hurt us. And so the Ravens kicked the ball and got punted 66 yards. And then what did the Chiefs do? They took the ball and drove straight down the field and scored. Kelsey, impossible to guard. By the way, feel free to double-team Kelsey. But maybe the thing was with the Ravens, maybe it was like, we'll let him get his catches because he got, he got his TD. But think about it, Rick. There were no huge chunk plays. Right, so I thought right. the Ravens' D was, was okay. Uh, they didn't let Pacheco run for a bunch of, a, lot of, a lot of yards. But let's call it what it is. We talk about Lamar. We talk about all this. It really came down to those two mistakes we talked about. And the four personal foul penalties. Oh, my goodness. I I mean, Kelsey was baiting them all day, and they took the cheese. 
And then you have Jones, he hits Mahomes in the head on that possession where they had punted and kept them deep. Right. That ended up being a situation where the Chiefs drove down the field. I believe that was the possession they got a field goal out of. And then you got Zay Flowers when they do make a big play. You get Zay Flowers catches one for 54 yards, and I'm yelling at the TV. He gets up. No, I know. Right where I the know. whole world is watching. He pushes the guy back down, spins the ball, and, and hovers over it's him. unbelievable. Bro, they should have gave you 30 yards for that instead of 15. That was so ridiculous. And so then right after that, of course, he tries to extend the ball on the goal line. And we had just seen the week before with the Chiefs with McCole Hardman trying to get in the end zone against Buffalo. That ball goes through the end zone. It's a touchback, and obviously that's a rule that you can look at another way. But in his case, it was a flat-out fumble. So you add all that up. You know, you and I do football on this program, 8.05 every Tuesday. Grateful to have it. But you know what? I've got to take a step back and apologize to our listeners. We slept on Patrick Mahomes. That's what we did. We, he's the baddest boy in the game, and we have just sat over here and not giving him everything. How do we not see this coming, Rick? We're supposed to be experts in this thing. We watch this <laughs> stuff. And you're in the NFC. You're in the AFC West. You see him more than you want to, and you don't hate him. You just annoy because he's in the way of your Broncos, like yeah. like the Buffalo Absolutely. Bills in the way of my Dolphins. Absolutely. And and all that guy did was go out and show you that he is Brady 2.0 because it's all about winning in its biggest moments. The guy is 14 and three in playoff and Super Bowl games. I think 11 TDs, no interceptions in his last six. So when you think about greatness and you got Andy Reid, those guys have the cheat code. And all year when they were dropping passes and didn't have great receivers and Eric Bieniemy's gone, what are we going to do on offense? All they've done is say, eh, don't worry about it. It's time for the – and by the way, how about that road record in the playoffs? Adam Mahomes yeah. has been on the road. <laughs> yeah. Mahomes is a grown-up. So, so Baltimore – and here's the final piece I'll say about it, Rick, and I'll throw it back to you. These things don't come lightly when you can host championship games at home. That's the first one in 50 years for Baltimore to tell you how hard it is. But don't forget, in the division alone, Joe Burrow was out this year, right? Mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson was out this year. You, so you think about and 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 these things and two and the Dolphins were banged up and Buffalo's not going anywhere. So when you get a chance to navigate through these things and Kansas City, they'll t they weren't the best version of themselves and teams and Pittsburgh. It's changing things up. And so when you get these chances, you know it's really, really tough when you don't take advantage of them because there's no guarantees you get back. So we're going to give Kansas City their due. They've gone on the road and beat Buffalo, and then they beat Baltimore. And so congrats to them. They are off to Vegas on February 11th. I'd love to hear, though, John Harbaugh explain because that's the first stat that I saw was 16 rushes. I had no idea what they were doing, why they felt like they needed to change their personnel. You're at home you're the favorite. You've got to make the Chiefs make you change your personality. They didn't do that. They just handed it to them right off. The, I just, I don't understand. I, I, I'll never understand um, what happened to Baltimore and why they changed. I, I'll, I'll never understand. I'm glad I'm not a Ravens fan today. Let's just put it that way. Well, 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 the, the, well, the lady that I live with. I know, so I know. She, well, what was interesting was was her take on it. Um, and, and she's got a lot of Baltimore fans in her world. We were talking about it. And, of course, you know my wife. She, she's into sports a lot like I am. It's this kind of thing. There are times when someone breaks your heart, and then there's times where you're just like uh, Lamar even said, we're just angry because we weren't our best version of ourselves of all games. We had done it all year, done it our way, and that had been good enough. 
And I just think they got too they, they just got too cute for their own. That's not who they are. No. Just go win the no. game. And I think they were out of character from Jump Street, and uh, they'll have the whole offseason to think about that right. one for sure. Instacarma for Zay Flowers with the fumble too. All right, um, how about that? All right, speaking of coaches, and and I, you and I both are huge Dan Campbell fans, but um, yes, sir. I'm not a Lions fan, but I'm screaming at the TV. And this isn't like, you know, revisionist history because they didn't get the fourth downs. This is before they snapped the fourth down. I'm thinking, I'm just sitting there going, you idiot. This is, I know you have this persona that you want to keep up about being this riverboat gambler, but this is the championship game to go to your first Super Bowl in franchise history. You can't leave six points off the board like that. And I'm sorry, everything aside, Dan Campbell cost the Lions that football game. And so I want to say 100% yes to you because let's, let's just think about this thing for a second. I, by my nature, I've uh, never been in the NFL other than to watch one game when I saw the Broncos a while back uh, when Elway was hurting and all that good jazz. Yeah. So that's my experience of being in the NFL stadium with an NFL game. But I've watched more than my share of it. And, and the thing I will say about it is I have always felt like I just listened to John Madden for years and the whole bit. Yes. You never go broke taking a profit. I, but, Rick, something has happened in the last, I don't know, five years or whatever. What Fourth and three, and punters and kickers are not coming on the field anymore. <laughs> they just are yeah. not doing it. Right. Folks feel like, ah, it's fourth and four. We should go for it. And I'm thinking to myself, stack up those points because you don't want to be at the end of the game and find yourself a possession down chasing because you didn't take the layup early in the game. Absolutely. And it has happened. But listen, now, here's, now watch this, Rick. Here's the interesting part. What what Detroit did as compared to Baltimore is this. They did stay in character. They did. So here's the deal. They did. They stayed in character. This is who we are. Why we wouldn't be here if we weren't this way. And on one of the uh fourth down calls, the guy drops Yeah, the they had it. They run. did have it. Had it. So then you can go, well, it didn't work, so it didn't work. And then they had a kicker that had been shaky outdoors and that kind of thing that was marginal in terms of the distance. But I just I'm just this way. I feel like and who am I? No one, right? But I just feel like the more points you can stack up, if you get yourself a deflection or something, and off you go. Well, as you know, Detroit in the first half just bludgeoned San Francisco. In fact, I was I was pretty nervous for San Francisco because Detroit had the cheat code, Rick, and they, they were did. running Killed the football. And so it's like they looked at Baltimore and said, no, nah, we're going to not do what you did. They just ran it. Montgomery, Gibbs. Uh, first play of the for opening drive, reverse to Jamison Williams to the house, seven nothing Lions. They bullied the Niners running that football downhill without any question. And the Lions first half possessions. T D, T D, punt, T D, field goal. Five possessions, four were scores. And remember, that last field goal, they were down in the red zone, could have got another T D. That was the one time he didn't go for a TD. They kicked the field goal. Smart. Twenty four seven. You're up. And the Niners' first half possessions, here it is. Missed field goal, TD, interception, punt, end of the half downs. So all of a sudden you think to yourself, Detroit just managed the rest of the game, and you're fine. I thought they quit running the football in the second half, and they got a little antsy. And, of course, you had the weird fumble by Gibbs that kind of set things in motion. The Niners figured a few things out. And then all of a sudden what really changed it, and let's not call him this, no more of this freaking no. manager no. stuff from Brock Purdy. No. I mean, it's no. just a lazy take. 
Watch the game. It is. Um, it is. If, if he's a manager, then Joe Montana was a game manager, sure, right? Sure. I mean, then Steve Young was a game manager. Everyone has to manage a football game. If, if we just want to see these elite guys bring up bad players, listen, San Francisco has a formula. Their formula is you've got salary cap stuff to do. Let's put great players around. Shanahan's like, I can manage the quarterback from here, keep him on a certain. It's, it's what Seattle did Rick, with uh, Russell Wilson. That's right. Had him on a low contract where you could put great players around, we can manage that position, and it leads to wins if you can build your roster that way. That whole second half, he was more than a manager. He used his doggone legs. I think he had three first downs running the football. Yeah, he broke yeah. the back of Detroit, don't you think, Rick? He did. And, he did. And, so, and so for my money, they were still in a situation where it was manageable. The crowd gets into it, and they managed that game perfectly. So the second half possessions for Detroit – uh, out on downs, fumble, punt, out on downs, and they got that TD late. Meanwhile, San Francisco second half field goal, TD, TD, field goal, <laughs> TD. I mean, it's crazy, right? And then they then they kneeled uh, to to end the game. And so when I think about how that it was totally a game of two halves, the weirdest I had ever seen. And Detroit, more than anything, they're the ones today. They're probably as bothered as Baltimore because. Because it's funny, Pebbles and I were talking about it last night. Detroit know they're good enough because they showed it in the first half, right? And, and, and if you're Baltimore, you didn't bring your best game. But Detroit did for a half. And so it's probably frustrating to them, not to mention the fluky stuff started happening when you have balls bouncing off a defender's helmet and IU grabs the ball in midair. That's when you start looking around and going, wait a minute, <laughs> something's starting to happen here. So, you know, there's an old saying in sports, if you don't finish the game, somebody else will for you. And so, as it turns out, the Niners, uh, who, by the way, that's back-to-back home playoff games where they haven't been dominant. No. Green Bay last week, Lions, no one cares. It's about getting to the end. I mean, ask Jimmy V. Survive in advance, baby. This is the playoffs now. We're not going to apologize for wins. Uh, if this was week two, this would be something you and I would unpack. But for now, the only thing that's being packed is San Francisco's bag. <laughs> as they head to Vegas. That's true. As they head to Vegas to take on the Kansas City Chiefs, and we are the beneficiaries of what I think is going to actually be a really good Super Bowl for sure. Go out and buy my 49ers helmet today to wear during the game. <laughs> you are not. Well, it's so funny because you are, you, my wife is like, I am not rooting for them doggone Chiefs. No. I got go Niners, and so uh, you and her together can wear those in town. Yes, yeah, we sure. will. We will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I uh, started out uh, when I previewed your segment at the end of hour two. I went ahead and just tipped my chapeau. David Smith won our uh, pick'em contest. I had the lines. I was looking good to set up a Super Bowl showdown, oh, but yeah, a loss. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a it's a great season for picks. I'm always amazed, and uh, you and I talked about being twins anyway in this thing. No, so we are. Uh, we you really look are. at this thing. 58 and 43 record this year, Rick. By the way, 15 games over 500 is nothing to sneeze at. That was an 0 and 2 weekend for you. The Lions let you down. I was 1 and 1, 61 and 40. Congratulations on a great season of picks. I don't know why we aren't on FanDuel or something. We just mess around out here for fun. We got to start making some money on this thing. And it's the tough games too. We pick the tough games, you know. Yeah, we do. Yes, we don't just float around out here dealing with some some of these 20 point spreads. And I've got the whole sheet right here of the whole season, so. It's always a lot of fun. Maybe we can work burn up in our Jermaine into this next year, man. <laughs> start go. having a fun Tuesday pick thing. So, yeah, Rick, that was a lot of fun to do that. And, of course, we don't do numbers on here. We don't do spreads. Just wins or losses. We keep it easy. We don't do math on this program. So, um, congratulations to me for back-to-back. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'll give, uh, you know, I'll, 
I'll get a tip of the hat from my guy, Rick, at one of the basketball games. But it's always a lot of fun to do these. And so uh, what a crazy season it's been. And one uh, quick note here. Bill Belichick is jobless. Apparently he was really pressuring Arthur Blank to bring, like, Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia. And Arthur Blank said, no, we don't want that. And so he went out and found his guy. Bill Belichick sounds like, to me, kind of pushed himself out of job opportunities this go-around. Where it's kind of crazy, uh, you know, it, and, and it's eerily similar to Brady last year. Becomes a free agent for anyone to get, and if you remember that, like there weren't as many suitors for him as one would have thought for right. a guy that was right. of that age, uh, married to a certain system, uh, obviously the best that's ever done it. Uh, it worked out for him. He goes to Tampa. He pretty much puts his whole thing into play, and, and off they go. Bruce Arians was probably the perfect guy for him because – He's so no-nonsense. But look at all these jobs. you got Raheem Morris at Atlanta, Harbaugh with the Chargers, Mayo at the Patriots, Antonio Pierce for the Raiders. Canales takes the Panthers job. He's a Bucks old coordinator. And then you got Callahan with the Titans. And the commanders look like it's going to be Ben Johnson. Seattle is the outlier there. But there's several things to this, Rick. And it looks like Belichick's going to – I think I read one thing where he's going to wait for next year to see what happens. Well, what else is he going to do? He's not going to get one of these gigs. And you just wonder if people are in a place now – when you see the Dan Campbells of the world and, and you see some of the, the McVeighs and you see the Shanahan's and the energy that it brings and the, uh, the, the, the newish, newish way of coaching that doesn't have such a rigidity to it. Now, this is just speculation on my part. But there's something. I mean, there's a guy who's got everything you want in the world and teams are going, ah, there were eight openings this year and he's not going to get one. So it makes you kind of wonder what people are looking at when someone wants to come in and give the whole uh, element of of, uh, of, of ownership to him so it makes it tough so we'll see what happens with him but um a whole lot more to go all right brother listen great stuff look forward to seeing you guys down at the Devon center tomorrow evening we'll be there brother need that w man have a good one all see right. you next week all right you too there you go great stuff from david smith and congratulations to david hey it's no shame losing to that guy at nfl picks i'll tell you that fun stuff man we have a great time doing that and hey to our credit now he mentioned our records we we pick the good games we don't just you know pick like 10-point spreads. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. More coming up as we finish up this segment heading to the bottom of the hour. Is that the oh my guy at the end of that spot? Oh, oh my. That's touching. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> that was out of nowhere. <laughs> All right. Final segment coming up. James Herring scheduled to be in studio. Radford University assistant basketball coach. We'll be back as we roll along here on this Tuesday. <laughs> Tones of Gladys Knight. Thanks to, uh, man, we've had a fun show today. Mike Burnup, Jermaine Farrell, and uh, David Smith. Keeping it rolling right now in studio with us. He's Radford Basketball's assistant coach. His name is James Herring. Coach, how are you? Good morning, man. Doing well. How about yourself? Doing great. Always good to uh, talk some ball with you. As uh, Let's go back to Saturday real quick. I thought the Highlanders, uh, you know, played extremely well. I mean, in every phase. I mean, they came out as alumni day. There can be a lot of distractions, but... You know, talking to a lot of our former players after the game, they were very impressed. I mean, talk about 
that game, you know, as one game of the season, but things seem to be progressing as we headed into this final month, this important month of February. Yeah, I mean, I thought we played well, um, you know, on both ends of the floor. And that always, I feel like it always helps when you make a couple shots early. Uh, you know, it just kind of gives some people some energy. You know, you know, 10, 20 years ago, the old, the old guys would tell you, like, man, our defense would get our offense going. But a lot of times now it's like offense gets your defense going. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we got stops early and, you know, had a few, you know, physical plays at the rim, um, which I think helps set the tone, you know, for the rest of the game, whether it's on the, the defensive side or the offensive side. And, and yeah, I mean, we played well. I think it just – I think it was kind of like a little bit of like a long time coming. We probably hadn't played like that since, you know, before Christmas, even though we had a couple wins already in league. But – you know, hopefully it's a sign of, uh, you know, good things to come, you know, in these upcoming games. Well, I think, too, I try to talk about it here to people, and people understand, and, and you've talked about it, all you coaches have talked about it, but the basketball season, you have to separate the football mentality. And I think a lot of fans can't do that or they don't do that because, you know, week to week, and if you're a college football fan, oh, it's so vital. It is in college basketball, but you're – you know, four months of this roller coaster is a little different ride, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's a long year. It's the only, I mean, it's the only sport in, in college sports that goes over two semesters, you know. Um, you know, football is only in the fall and everything else might only be in the fall or only in the spring. Meanwhile, ours goes, you know, from October. Well, now it starts in late September all the way, you know, through March. And if you're fortunate enough to go to the national championship game early April, and that's a long time. You know, that's a really long time. <laughs> it really is. Especially, like, when you consider – you know, Christmas break, you know, winter break, Christmas break is going to be four or five weeks long, depending on, you know, your institution and everybody else is gone from campus. You know, whether it's a regular student or a student athlete, everyone's gone except for, you know, men's and women's basketball. So January can sometimes hit hard. You know, it's everybody kind of calls it like the dog days of January in the season just because of how long it goes. And, you know, you try not to look ahead too far. You know, for us, there were 16 conference games. You know, other leagues might play 18 or 20 or some are playing 22. And it just gets long. I mean, it gets really long. So, you know, you try to just take it game to game. And fortunately for us, um, you know, it's it's pretty pretty regulated unless you're on ESPNU on Thursday night. It's two days, play a game on Wednesday, two days of practice, play a game on Saturday. And you really just try to focus on, you know, can we can we win today? And then can there be carryover the next day in practice? And then there can those two days carry over into the game on Wednesday or Saturday, depending on the week. So, you know, hopefully we can keep that thing going, you know, tomorrow night against Charleston Southern. But, you know, at the end of the day, we got to be able to do it. James Herring in studio with us, Radford basketball assistant coach, talking about the Highlanders as they get ready to take on CSU tomorrow. Can you elaborate on that? I think that's a great point. You take that, the, the positive, like you just said, to take it, you know, a good feeling into practice to try to build on it for the next game. It's not always easy to do, is it? No, and and sometimes you got to kind of shake that, you know, because if you you win you win on Saturday or you win on Wednesday, depending on whatever day it is, whatever it is, you win your last game. Maybe you play well, you know. Maybe everybody on the team, for the most part, plays well. Some guys maybe play well, some guys maybe don't, you know, in their opinion or their eyes or their their friends and family's eyes. Um, and you got to be able to shake that, you know, because if you just stay on that high, don't get me wrong, it could potentially help have a good practice that next day but we got to push that aside and move on um and I thought we had a pretty good practice yesterday on on Monday afternoon so good um do I think part of that is the fact that we played well and won on Saturday yes I do um but I also think there's just like maybe a different mentality 
just based on how things have gone over the last couple of weeks and maybe some more people realize like, man, these games do start, you know, dwindling down. You know, we only got, I think, nine left plus a conference tournament. So, um, you know, for some guys, these are the last nine games they'll play in, in college. Second time through, I'm not trying to, you know, overlook Wednesday, but February, you just mentioned January. You're right. It just feels like you come out of non-conference and then you get into the beginning of conference and it feels like, oh, 31 days. Then you get into February, it's the shortest month, but boy, it's jam-packed. You've got eight conference games in 28 days. Yeah, I hadn't really really thought about it. Um, (laughs) That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, hadn't really thought about it. But then again, like, you know, we played uh, in the month of November – it was us, Lipscomb, and Florida International had played nine games That's in true. 29 days. That's or true. 24 days or whatever it was because the season started November 6th. Yeah, with travel. Yeah. Yeah, oh, so, I mean, we've kind of been through it. Now that was the first month of the season. You know, different guys are playing now compared to then um, just based on, you know, really just based on health, actually. Um, you know, along with the fact that, you know, you're now three months into the season um, in terms of gameplay, four months in total, as opposed to just everything being brand new and fresh. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it can get long. It can definitely get long. And I actually, you know, prior to the year, because we have an odd number of teams in the league, I was like, man, this bye week's going to be dumb, like waste of time. You know, we need to get an even number of teams. That way everybody plays every Wednesday and every Saturday. But the bye week's actually probably pretty good for us you know it's a chance just to get yeah guys some rest honestly that's a great point the where it's coming too. you play saturday then you have that week right it might be hitting at a good time yeah and honestly i think you know obviously that's just kind of a little bit of like luck of the draw you know when you have it because some there's going to be one team that has that quote-unquote bye week the last game of the season everybody's going to be playing and they're going to be off and you know somebody else will have it the second to last but i kind of like where we have it just because you know i think we could use some like downtime a little bit um you know, one, just from, like, a health standpoint, you know, guys getting some time to not be grinding for two days then play a game, but also just, like, now we're kind of in the swing of things academically. So, you know, as much as everybody wants to just focus on basketball, dudes also have that obligation to, like, make sure they're doing what they need to do, you know, from a school side. And speaking of which, I know every team deals with it, but, you know, yesterday uh, I saw Darius in the hallway. I said, hey, man, how are you doing? He goes, I'm good. I said, oh, good. He goes, yeah, we, we're going to have us close to a full team ready for practice today than we've had all year. Uh, have you ever experienced this type of injury slash sickness? I mean, uh, it's almost like it's just a dilemma right now. Yeah, it definitely uh, – it, it's, it's a little funky. Um, you know, obviously it's unfortunate because I feel like if we had – if we had our full arsenal that we thought we'd have, you know, back in June, you know, I, I, I think we'd be unstoppable, you know, um, go undefeated, all that stuff. But, you know, it's still possible, you know, we could still, we could still do what we want to do, you know, even with the guys that are available. But I also think that was part of the reason why, you know, we had like a different, uh, maybe a different feel in practice yesterday because we actually had everybody that was available there, um, which we hadn't had. I mean, really, hadn't really had in weeks. You know, yeah. there'd always been at least one guy out or or whatever, um, whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely nice, you know, to be able to get some things done when you actually have more bodies uh, than what we had in the past. Speaking of one of those guys who's getting back into the flow now, Josiah Hare starting to get there now. Yep. You can see him working himself back into it. He showed he, you know, nearly had a double double on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, and and really like. Um, 
that's just what we're trying to now that we're I don't know three weeks in I guess yeah three weeks in about that he's been playing um and I mean even on our side you know we're trying to figure it out too because now with him back we you know we're mixing and matching some different things and you know things that we're doing maybe offensively or even defensively you know back in December you know we're not we don't really need to do anymore sure um, sure but but yeah, no, it's been great. You know, he definitely, Joe definitely brings energy, you know, to the floor because, um, you know, just really just how he plays and just kind of how he is as a person. Like when he goes and grabs a rebound, like he's going to let everybody know he grabbed that rebound. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely think it's helped us because, you know, prior to him being back, I think we struggled. Um, I think we just struggled on the on the defensive glass in general. And part of that might have just been because we had to play you know, a lot smaller than a lot of other teams. And, you know, all of a sudden we have a, a 6'2 guy at the four and, you know, we're playing against guys that are 6'7 and 6'8. Yeah, that's and a good point. Don't get me wrong. I don't care if you're the biggest team in the country or the smallest team in the country. Anybody can grab a rebound. But it's definitely a lot more challenging when, you know, you got four guys that are 6'2 or, you know, 6'4 or shorter and you're matching up against, you know, a 6'8'5", a 6'8'4", and a 6'6" wing you know it makes it a little bit more challenging but regardless you got to be able to get it done so um, I definitely think having him back has has helped you know just from you know a depth standpoint a size standpoint a rebounding standpoint and you know hopefully we can continue to build on that. Radford assistant coach James Herring in studio with us talking some Radford hoops here as the very important month of February is coming up as the Highlanders tomorrow night will take on Charleston. Uh, we always do a uh, Keys to success in our broadcast. We'll give people an early preview now. Let's talk about the Bucks a little bit. I know you've been watching them closely. Um, they had some attrition, obviously, at the top with the resignation of Barkley Radeball. Saw Nimley, who was just a sensational all-conference guard for them, now leading the team. And uh, he seems to have found his niche, you know, to get that job. It's not an easy situation, but he's got those guys, you know, being very competitive night in and night out. Yeah, they're definitely playing a lot better, you know, than what they were kind of at the start of the year. And um, I think, you know, they're kind of going through it a little bit, too. They've had some guys get hurt, yeah, they have. you know all of a sudden be in and then be out and then this guy's playing now and then you know the hurt guy comes back and somebody else gets hurt and whatever it may be but um they're definitely they definitely got a couple guys that can you know carry them in games and even though you know their record in league I think might be like two and five or or whatever it is I mean you worth we're three and four you know yeah so it's not like it's not like we're you know we're seven and oh and they're two and five or anything like that or vice versa um you know, they're capable – I feel like they're capable of beating anybody in this league just like we're capable of beating anybody in this league, and it doesn't matter if it's home or road. But, uh, I mean, yeah, they went, you know, and won on the road at Gardner-Webb. At one point they were up 20, um, you know, with four minutes to go at high point. It was a tie game with a minute – like a minute and a half to go on when, or on Saturday. They were playing Asheville. It was a two-point game. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's, I mean, they, they've been in pretty much every game they and you know, two they won and a few they they haven't. But, um, you know, R.J. Johnson starts at the point for him. He's gotten a lot better from last year. Tajay Kelly at the 4-5 has gotten better from last year. Um, you know, and they just had improvement. And then they, you know, got a couple new guys just like everybody else. So it should be an interesting game and hopefully one that, you know, if, if we do what we need to do, we can get a win. Yeah, and Tajay Kelly is one of those guys <clears throat> from opposing teams in the league I like to watch. I mean, he's a grinder. leads the conference in rebound. You're right, he's taken – a huge leap, hasn't he, this year? Yeah, I mean, he's – honestly, he could be playing left tackle um, <laughs> he could. You know, if, he, if he really he could. wanted to. 
But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's gotten better. And I think, you know, just because of how their team is structured this year compared to last year, I think he's a little bit more of a focal point of what they do. Um, and he's and he's tough because at the you want to have your biggest guy guard him to kind of match with them from a size standpoint, but I mean he can move you know even though he's about six seven two fifty like he can really move so there's times that you want to put a smaller guy on him to kind of be able to move with him a little bit better on the perimeter when uh you know kind of when he's operating in some different isolations but you know then you give up size at the rim so um, you kind of have to pick your poison a little bit and then. You know, at the end of the day, it's not one-on-one, it's 1v5, you know. So the other four guys on the floor got to be able to help, you know, whoever is the guy that's going to be matched up against them. Well, I know uh, you and the staff will have those guys ready. And by the way, I want to thank you. We had a great conversation. Ryan McIntyre was on the show, your guy, and that was a lot of fun, man. He had a good time. Yeah, yeah, he's a fool. Um, <laughs> but he's a good dude. Yeah, he's a really good dude, works really hard. I mean, all he does is watch basketball. I mean, he has a real job. He said that's what he yeah. – he said that's all I do. That's yeah, my it's, whole it's, life. That's literally – all he does. All he does. I mean, in the football season, obviously, Saturday, Sundays, he's watching football, but it's literally all he does. So, yeah, I mean, if you ever want to back on, get the oh, call. Oh, yeah, we're going to yeah. do it. We're going to do it. And, uh, by the way, real quick, uh, we you had a cool opportunity. Uh, it involved my beloved Broncos. You and your dad, right? You were telling me you got to go watch them. Your Packers, yeah, your Packers yeah. fan life. Lost. Yeah, Talk about yeah. that, how it worked out, though, yeah. you and your dad. That's, that's so cool you, you guys got to share that. I've been out there a few times. It's a great environment to watch football. Games. Yeah, we got to go out there, I don't know, I think it was like early October or whatever, and we had we had time off, so it just it just happened to work out. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's they have a really good fan base. I mean, it was, oh, it's, their team yeah. was bad. Like, oh, just, yeah. I, at yeah. the time, they were yeah, really know, one bad. in Re- they were one in five. five or yeah, something, man. yeah. But the place was packed, and there wasn't – I mean, there was like – don't get me wrong, there were Green Bay fans there, but it's not like there was a ton of them. Yeah, You right, know, like right. it was – most of the people were wearing blue and orange. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a really good environment. Like, I was impressed because um, all I'd ever really seen is Green Bay, Chicago, yeah, sure. you know, whatever. Absolutely. But then yeah. out there, it's it, it was real. It's yeah, real. it's real. It's real out there. It really is. I was fortunate enough to get to see your team back – uh, during the Broncos Super Bowl 50 year mm. uh, out there. I had a friend out there. He said, hey, I came across some tickets. We were happy to be off. And I said, for basketball, yeah, I'm going to go out there. So I got to yeah. say, that's the last time I was out there when they uh, beat Aaron Rodgers that night. But uh, you're a Packers lifer. Your Packers are on the uptick. Had a great run in the postseason. and should have beat the 49. Had, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, you had that yeah. game Yeah. But anyway, we'll save that. But uh, you got, I think you got a bright future ahead. So do I. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. I agree. And good to see you as always, man. Likewise. There you go. James Herring in studio with us. Radford basketball. Good stuff. And uh, the Highlanders tomorrow night. Come see us, right? 7 o'clock. Charleston Southern. It's the final time through the first time in the Big South schedule before we start getting into the second meeting with opponents on Saturday in Upstate. We're taking a final break. Coming back and wrapping it up for another day after this.
mercy, this is handsome Jimmy Vang, the boogie-woogie man, professional wrestler. I tell all my people, listen, listen to Rick Watson. Yeah! You know, I never really liked peaches. <laughs> never did. Never did. Never really got into the whole peach thing. All right, uh, man, that was uh, that was some very, very fine, free-for-your-value entertainment today, huh? We had uh, Mike Burnup, Jermaine Farrell, David Smith, and then great stuff there from uh, Radford assistant coach James Heron. Tomorrow on the program, Keon Brown will join us. We'll talk all things hoops. Bill Roth in the Roth Report. Louise Baker is going to be in studio. She's giving away more tickets tomorrow, I believe, tomorrow for women's hoops. Always giving back to the community. So uh, we'll have a trivia question. Bill will have a trivia question during the Roth Report. And we'll uh, give away Louise's tickets tomorrow here on the program. And uh, thanks to uh, you for participating in that ahead of time, because I know people will be eager for those tickets. She always has really good seats. And uh, maybe some other stuff going on tomorrow. So, again, uh, the Hump Day Wednesday edition, plus tomorrow night is game day for the Highlanders, and we'll talk a little bit about that. And we hope that uh, you have a great rest of your Tuesday. And, again, it was great to hear from our online listening audience. Uh, We missed you uh, yesterday. When you get the whole band together again, the music sounds a lot better. So that was the case here today. So that will be our tomorrow show. We'll see you then, everybody. Take care. Thanks for listening. Center for. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, New River Valley.